Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Brawl podcast brought to you by Barbells for Boobs, where we want to redefine the standard of breast health care and improve the quality of life post-diagnosis of breast cancer. I'm your host, Sayana Hansen, and I'm the founder of this great organization. Thank you for joining us. Today, we have a very creative candle maker, a full-time breast cancer thriver and advocate, Felicia, my very good Instagram buddy. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> so nice to finally meet you. Very nice to meet you. It's so funny in this like social network world where I feel like I, I know you because I follow you. Yeah, I'm like, you, right. were in, you, were, you were out of town this week and I know. I feel you, like, like know I know every, you. You know everyone's life like, and you just... You see someone in person and you don't really have a ton of talk about. It. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Caught up on your life, yeah. I kind of know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. At least all the fake stuff that you want to share exactly. with the world. Tell so me what's real- really going yeah. on? So what's the behind the scenes of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna give a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disclaimer. A disclaimer to this podcast. Uh, Felicia just did a PET scan, yep. a full body PET scan. Mm-hmm. She's a little tired, and so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up at 30 minutes and. Um, and then I'm going to give her a massage. Yes. And, you know, if we come back for a part two, we'll come back for a part two. But you get what you get right now. OK, so enjoy it <laughs> and embrace it and appreciate it. This is a gift right here. So hello. Hi. Felicia. So I want to start. Who are you? <laughs> you know, let's, like, let's just get to the hard <laughs> stuff right now. Let's really get the deep, deep depths of my soul right now. Um, like, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I was originally born in Salt Lake City, Utah. My um, husband's favorite place. He wants to move there. No, you, it's not his favorite place. <gasps> what do you, I mean, okay. I don't like there, so I can't okay, say okay. like, um, Park City. Oh, well, sh- I think bougie, of the, I only think okay, of the airport. Bougie. Like what airport do I need to go to? <laughs> well, Salt Lake City only has two airports. Yeah. That's so. it. Like I mean, Park City has a small one. Provo has a small one, but Salt Lake is your only option. Is your option. Is your yeah. only option. Um, I was born in Salt Lake City. It's where my mother's family is from. My dad's family is from Huntington Beach. We bounced back and forth a little bit. I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years where I was doing a bunch of uh, little girl modeling before like Honey Boo Boo, like when it was mm-hmm. natural modeling. <laughs> um, and then I moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona to go to high school where my grandparents retired. And 10 years ago this year, I moved to um, Huntington Beach. Oh, so you've been here for a little while. Been here for a bit. Um, So what were you doing? Where were you at in your life the day before you were diagnosed with breast cancer? I was working at a hospital. um, Not, it just, it wasn't like the place for me. And I was always looking for somewhere to progress. And, but I loved working with the patients. I worked in Long Beach um, in a family clinic and I just loved being a part of helping people. Um, so I was actually there the day before I got, I was actually there the day I got my results. They called me, I had to leave work to get my results. Um, yeah, I just was kind of trying to figure out my way in life, kind of dabbling in school and, you know, just that like mid section of your life. And, um, how old were you? I was just turned 30. I just turned 30. So I was misdiagnosed when I was 29, um, like a month before my 29th or a month before my 30th birthday. I'm sorry. Um, so I was kind of in that like, holy crap, I'm 30 kind of mm-hmm. area. <laughs> I, should, I should be married. Start thinking about babies. Yeah. I was like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, I was traveling and modeling and having, I had such a great life. Like I have really no complaints, um, in general about my life other than I didn't really have insurance because of the position I was in, mm-hmm. in the hospital. Um, but other than that, yeah, I was just traveling and modeling and, 
you know, they took me to Japan to model and I was going to Europe to model and going to Vegas every year for a week or two. To what model. kind of modeling? What? Um, I was doing a lot of car shows like Vanna White type ah. stuff. And, um, we got to get some TVTs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of doing whatever came my way. I, I, I modeled for Harley Davidson. I did their lookbook catalogs for all their um, product that they send out to all the companies to pick what they want in stores. Um, we were hiking and crossfitting and active camping. And yeah, super, fit, super active healthy. life. We ride motorcycles. My boyfriend builds vintage Harley. So we are constantly driving to different places to pick up bikes to flip. I mean, we had a really fun, awesome life. life. Yeah. And then it just changed Stopped. one day. Yeah. It just, just, I mean, within a week, it just flipped everything. Just it's, it stops you immediately in your tracks. I actually don't even really remember the appointment. I think mm-hmm. I was crying too hard and my boyfriend remembers it. But to me, I was like, what just happened? Like, how, how do we get in the car? Like what, like, like why do, am I so upset like, right now? Yeah. Like, really, what do we do now? I really don't remember anything of the appointment other than unfortunately where I was going to, because I didn't have insurance was really low income. Mm-hmm. Um, and their bedside manner was pretty terrible. They just had a piece of paper that had the word cancer highlighted in yellow and they just handed it to me. Like that's how I was told I had cancer. So you were misdiagnosed at a year prior mm-hmm. to this. What did you find a lump on your breast? Cause you're pretty, you're, you're young, you're 30, yeah. 29. You had a lump on your breast. You went in and did they just tell you too young or? Yeah. So I, we were in the movies and I had a sports bra on, you know, and like the sports bra kind of pinches your under boob. Yeah. And I was like fixing it. I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And I was like, what was that? That's weird. I feel so. Yeah. And I have a pretty big bust and I have pretty dense breasts, but I was she like, has nice breasts. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was like. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's too, it's too smooth. Like it was too pronounced to be like breast tissue. And, you know, I told my boyfriend when we got home, I was like, Hey, when we were in the movies, like I felt something and he felt it. And he's like, yeah, that feels kind of, kind of weird. Do you hear that guys? Feel your Feel your ladies boobs. boobs. You should know what they feel like. like. So you should feel it before we feel it. Um, Ladies, girls, men. He didn't find it, but it's all right. (laughs) Touch your partner's boobs. That's what we're saying. No matter who you are, touch your partner's boobs. Um, and I went in and like I said, the position I was in the hospital, I didn't qualify for insurance because I was per diem. Mm. If I took a full-time position, they'd take a dollar pay away and I pay my insurance. And I was already making close to poverty level income. I just liked what I did. I didn't do it. There was was no, yeah, for the money. Um, but I didn't qualify for Obamacare. I didn't qualify for private insurance because I didn't have $600 a month for insurance. And I made a thousand dollars too much a year for Medi-Cal. You're the perfect candidate for somebody that our right to know program would have funded. I don't know if you knew that or no. if you even knew that we existed or that we provided no, that resource. I had no idea. And that's why I spent a lot of my time doing what I'm doing because I wish that the information was out was there. Out there. Yeah. That it was more readily available or, you know, the bigger corporations say, oh, we take care of patients, but they hide it so deeply in their messages and their websites that you can never find it. Like mm-hmm. you, no one knows Susan G. Corman will pay for a mammogram if you apply for it, but yeah. where is that on their banners? Right. It's not. it's not. And it's nowhere on their front website. You have to dig and dig, apply dig, dig. and fight yes. for it. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I had to go to a free clinic. They did a ultrasound and called me an hour later, or um, actually they gave the results to one of the doctors that I had worked with because they were in conjunction with our office. And um, she's the one that sat me down. She was like, what the ultrasound shows and the the ultrasound doctor, whoever reads it, says that it's just a benign cyst. It's a little gunky. It's kind of just 
nothing. She's like, it's right now that ultrasound is showing nothing. She, and I said, well, I, w- I would like a mammogram. And she goes, I can try. She's like, you are going through a state assistance program. So it's not really up to me. I can't do what I would normally do and snap my fingers and make it happen for you. She's like, I can apply for it. She did. It was denied. We tried again. It was denied. And I just kept getting denied and solely based on age and no family history. Um, so, agent, agent income. Yeah. Is a lot the of the age eligibility. income and yeah. history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, after that point, I was like, okay, well, they said it was nothing. Like my blood work came back great, which in hindsight, my last round of chemo, my white blood sounds was 5.6. Like I just have a really good immune system and a really strong body minus cancer. So she was like, your blood work looks great. Like there's nothing to worry about. You're You're fine. You're You're fine. You're young. (laughs) You're healthy. Yeah. She was like, if it really starts to bother you, let me know. And I was like, okay, well it never, even at five centimeters, it never bothered me. There was no pain. There was no, it just was kind of weird. I was like, okay, this is kind of awkward, like right there. Um, and then I was snowboarding in January of 2018 and I hit my toe edge and I hit my chest and it was red and swollen for like two weeks. And I was like, can you rupture these things? Like, I don't know what I did. Yeah, like, I was like, did it explode? Yeah. Of my body? <laughs> I was like, I damaged my boob. Like, great. <laughs> so I went back in and that's when it was like ultrasound. I left the office. They called me an hour later. You had to go to emergency mammogram, literally walked into the clinic. They threw me into a mammogram machine and you kind of know when something's wrong, when they're taking a little too long yeah. and then they do an ultrasound, they're taking a little too long. And then they bring you back to the mammogram and they machine. bring another person in the office with you. And then, yeah. And she's like, I'm going to go talk to a doctor. And I was like, sorry, my language. I was like, <laughs> like I knew I was like, this is not good. Like I'm but not you were able to get the scan at that time. As soon as they realized that something was really wrong. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, now within we an, can help you. Oh yeah. Within, now. An hour, within an hour, within an hour of having an ultrasound, I was getting an emergency mammogram like that. They literally called me. I always me. like to say that our system is set up to be reactive and not proactive. So exactly. if they would have been proactive the first time. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, I would Who knows be, why you are where you are, but you I would are be where you stage are. one or two, had a lumpectomy, maybe a mastectomy mm-hmm. and then went on with my life. Now I will literally battle this and for the rest of my life. And my goal is just to live as long as possible. Like, and, what's, and what stage were you diagnosed? Stage four. So it had, so as soon as the mammogram came back, literally I went back to work because I was like, well, I don't know what else to do with myself, but go back to work. They called me again. This is now like three in the afternoon and said, you need to come down the office emergency right now. And that's when we walked in and they had the word cancer highlighted on it. And they said, you need to go to the um, women's cancer center immediately. Like, right now. Did you go to the, to what, what, um, I went to, um, because I, because of where I was with my insurance. And at this time I was finding a new job, um, that was going to have really good insurance later on, but, um, I had to go to St. Joseph's. Okay. My sister was treated at Long Beach Memorial. So that's why why I was asking. That's where I worked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I worked at the family care center Mm -hmm. in Long Beach Memorial. Um, but because of my insurance and where I lived because I worked in Long Beach, but I lived in Orange County, I had to go to St. Joseph's. Um, I walked in and the girls that were nice were like, relax. Like, I don't know why doctors do this and scare that we have so many patients that walk in scream crying because I say run immediately to the cancer center. Um, after that, we scheduled six biopsies, three on, uh, two on my right breast, three on my left breast and one on my lymph node on my left armpit. Um, and a day later they were like, yeah, it's really bad. You need to have a emergency PET scan. So now like instead of giving mammogram a year ago, now I'm just like, they're pouring buckets of money into me and yeah. the mammogram came back or the PET scan came back, but it was, came back 
let's say this is on like a Tuesday night and my appointment was Wednesday morning, but I was having a lot of trouble breathing. And I think now that I know it was a lot of anxiety, but I was like, I can't breathe. Like there's something wrong with my chest. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I called my boyfriend and I was like, meet me at the emergency room at St. Joseph's because something's just not right. Like I just don't feel good and I don't know like what to do. And the emergency room doctor is how broken our system is. He didn't see that my doctor had not called and told me with the results. So he walked into the, my room at the emergency room and goes, oh, you can't breathe because all the tumors in your lungs. And I was like, I just started crying. And my boyfriend was like, we didn't know that. And he just left the room. <laughs> and they're like, OK, so we're going to discharge you because you'll see your surgeon tomorrow. And I'm just like scream crying. I don't want to die. Like, what do you what are you, <laughs> what talking, are you talking about? about? Yeah. So that's how I found out I was a stage four so patient. where had it, where had the breast cancer spread in your body um, um, at that, it, during your diagnosis, like right at your diagnosis, right at diagnosis. And it hasn't moved since then. So this has been where it's been every okay. time. Um, it was in my sternum, my left breast, both my lungs and my uh, lymph nodes on my left armpit. Can you educate? And I've done a little education on this just because I'm very familiar with uh, metastatic breast cancer, but just educate our listeners one, one more time on the difference between you know, breast cancer diagnosis and a metastatic uh, stage four breast cancer diagnosis. So there, stage one, two, and even some three are much more treatable. There, there's so many different ways you can really become in remission and cancer free. And my two PET scans have been clear of disease, but it's still in my body and it, mm -hmm. will, it will forever be a battle of me making sure this doesn't come back. Um, I will never be cancer free. No stage four patient as of right now until someday we come up with something if they would put more research into it. Um, so I, I have cancer forever. I will always be on medication. It'll always be a fear that it'll come back and it can come back in different places. My spine, my liver, kidneys. Um, I mean, it's already in, already in my lungs and sternum, but uh, your hip, your bone. I mean, it can it can come back anywhere. And yeah, so, so it's once the once the cancer spreads. Yeah, once the cancer becomes, spreads, it's. It, we currently do not have a cure. Yeah. When no, we breast have, cancer we, spreads. The best they can do right now, which is working for me. Well, so I had my PET scan two, three hours ago, four hours ago, um, is doing oral chemo. So I do, I took my ovaries out to stop the production of estrogen because mine is estrogen positive. And then I did six rounds of IV chemo. Um, I do oral chemo, which is 21 days. I take a pill of chemo every night and then I have 14 days off. And what that does is stop the cancer from spreading or, or mutating into the cells. And then I take a hormone blocker that helps prevent that also. So it's two different medications I take in hopes to make sure that this doesn't spread or regenerate or mutate. So I want to just kind of back up and slow it down a bit. It's so much. It's well, because so, so it's, much. You say it so like, this is what's happening with my life. And it's so, <laughs> la, 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 la. you know, like it's like, it's, I know for you, it's your life. And so you're just kind of, you're listing all the things that are happening, but listening to it and knowing that you're 30, 30 still, right? So, yeah, 31. You're 31 yeah. now. You had a birthday. Yeah. I just Congra turned 31. Congratulations yeah. on Thank the birthday. Thank you. That's a big Every, deal. Yeah, it was my, so I did a birthday party. It was my new first birthday. So we did that. So, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> birthdays are special. I'm oh, learning. Yeah. Um, you removed your reproduction, your ability I did my to ovaries reproduce. And my fallopian tubes. So you, she's removed her ability to reproduce. Yep. You have, you have to take a oral 
drug. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember 21 days. <laughs> yeah. I have like <laughs> 21 days and then I'm off for 14, but after seven days of being off, I have to do blood work to make sure that I'm healthy enough to go back on it in another week. And that's a full-time job. And then what was else? What else was on the list? Oh, every, every night I take a hormone blocker. Hormone blocker. So I basically just try to take all of the estrogen out of my body. And so you're dealing with the hormone emotion up and downs. Oh, and then I did fertility. <laughs> When were you diagnosed again? January of 20? I'm only a year and a half from diagnosis. So I've done all that. So I did fertility. I have 10 healthy, beautiful eggs frozen um, thanks to my new oncologist. My first one, and we could do that in part two. That's a way longer story. She basically Mm -hmm. said, I'm trying to save your life and too bad sucks for you. And I went to another doctor and she was like, you already have cancer. You're not going to die in a week. Go get your eggs saved. Like you're only 31. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I want children, but you you can't take the full option away from me. Like, and yeah, that's a whole other story. We could go on another hour about that whole. I would love to. Yeah. I think that, that that's some critical information. Oh yeah. They told me in a video as they were hooking me up to chemo, that one drop of chemo can make me sterile. And no one told me until literally they were hooking my port up. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? Stop. I was like, I thought we would do this like after the first round. And the nurse was like, no, honey, like you could be You're- sterile. And I was like, and the doctor's like, well, I'm just trying to save your life. And I was like, do you not think I don't have a life after cancer? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. But my new doctor was awesome. She's like, go, you're not going to die. I got you. Go get, <laughs> I love her. She's like a mini Barbara, Barbara Streisand. She's just like, go get your dang fertility. Let me know if you need anything. I'll see you in a week. And I'm like, so I did 30 days of fertility in eight days. My poor boyfriend wow. deserves an award. That's what I was going to say. This boyfriend is a, a hero. He How is. long were you together before you were diagnosed? Five years. Wow. Yeah. So we've been together for six and a half years. His mom is actually a stage one survivor and so is his grandmother. So even before we, um, he got it when he was 18, his, he has his mom's portrait and his grandma's portrait on each peck and then the cancer ribbon in the middle. So wow. yeah, he's a tough dude. Wow. He there, I mean, there's a reason. You know, yeah. there's a reason for everything. Exactly. So, okay. So what treatment are you currently on right now? Like, where are you at it's, right now? Right now is the 21 days of You're on the oral 21. chemo, 14 days off. And then, um, depending on what happens tomorrow, tomorrow I get my results and I've had two clear pet scans so far. So huge fingers crossed that tomorrow is also clear. And then we just continue. Um, if unfortunately something does pop up, then we just have to find a different type of chemo or medication or treatment to so I want people to understand the anxiety that happens in a PET scan. <laughs> yeah. And this is why we're cutting this podcast short. And and I think that, that Felicia needs some different healing than talking about it. <laughs> um, I remember, cause so my sister at stage four, mm-hmm. um, she was diagnosed in 2016 at 43. And the emotional roller coaster of PET scans and the like... So you do all this treatment. I remember she was on Taxol. That was her first, her I first, t- co- I took that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was her first cocktail. And you know, we're going every Friday and we're like, yeah, we're going to crush this. And then we get her first PET scan and it like spread everywhere. Oh. Like her, like you couldn't look at her scan and not see cancer. Somewhere That's in her the body. nightmare. That's the nightmare. Yeah. And I was, it, my heart just dropped and you start losing the momentum mm-hmm. of, you know, this is a marathon because it's stage four and you mm-hmm. know how aggressive it can get when it wants to, mm-hmm. if it decides that day to <laughs> do whatever, it's like its own beast. Like it exactly. does its, what it, whatever it wants. And then they put her on, um, we call it the red devil. I had one of those and that is the worst chemo, chemo. I have. I couldn't even swallow my own spit. I would puke. Like it was. My sister never missed a day of work. She worked 
the entire yeah, she's time. She's a beast. Beast. Beast but mode. Everyone, but everyone's everyone's body different. They respond because different. Because my chemo that I was on for the other five rounds, I was working, traveling, snowboarding, all good. that stuff. Another girl I knew was on my exact same cocktail, and she was laid out in bed, could not even like move. So everyone's body, Red Devil and I do not mix. Uh, oh, it was <laughs> it was gnarly. And then and then she was cleared. She did like seven of them, and then she was fine. Oh my god, she did seven of those. She did seven. Oh well, the max is eight. You know yeah. when they put a max on a treatment, you're like, because well, it's very really good. <laughs> it's very hard on your heart. So like we have to mm-hmm. have um, cardiograms every three mm-hmm. to six months because chemo in general is just really hard on your heart. And are you? Do you do any shots? Do you do any of the? No, because we removed my ovaries. Uh, oh, I'm so allergic to Lupron. Any. We tried that. It's a 30 day injection. So I had a full body rash for like 28 days because I was allergic to it. But it's an injection that you can't take out. So. It started as like a little dry rash on my belly. And I was like, that's weird. And then every day I woke up, I was like, okay, so it's all over my front of my body. It's all over my back. It's all over my butt, my legs. Now it's crawling up my face. And we were like, okay, you're allergic to Lubron. And then I just had to wait, wait it out. Benadryl and wait it out. <laughs> so they're like, well, we can't take it out of you. It's a 30 day injection that's supposed to suppress hormones. Yes. So that I could keep my ovaries. And I was like, just take the dang just things. Take them. Like, it's not that. I'm not yeah. doing this. Yeah. So how did you end up finding barbells for boobs after your diagnosis? How do we find you? <laughs> I just remember somebody who's like, you got to meet this girl, Z. Like, social media. I mean, I saw you guys like um, in Costa Mesa, you had that or you have a building over there. We had a building in you Costa Mesa. You had a building in Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I live in Huntington, so I go to Costa Mesa all the time. So I always saw it. Um, I'm a CrossFitter. So, you know, you're in the community. I see you guys you all the, the time. You hear, you hear the words. Yeah. You hear barbell for boobs or um, I think, I'm not sure if you guys did anything at Red Wolf or if you had done anything at Red Wolf before. Yeah, I think that they may have done yeah, something. I think, yeah. And, and girls there, you know, wear your shirts and stuff like that. But and then I think it's just the power of social media. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spread myself really thin and, and, work with everyone and anyone that I can just so I can spread some awareness. So I think it was just the power of social media brought us together. Yeah. I think it's so, uh, I think it's been the change I've seen. I don't want to say a change. The difference I see in survivors, thrivers is there's some women that just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And they want to just pretend like it never happened. Mm -hmm. And then there's some that, and then the, I almost think it's like this extreme spectrum of like, oh, yeah. there's, no in between. Over, there's no, yeah, in between. there's no in between. You're either over here or you're talking about it every day. You're reposting things. You're finding, you're wearing pink. You're, you're building a nonprofit. You're, you know, you're on this pink where I don't, I don't look at pink as a color anymore. I look at it as a movement yeah. and it's got this, cause I hate the color pink. So I've had to, I was so <laughs> upset. You have no idea. I ride Harleys, wear black. Like I do. I was like, of course I would get them one color. The I cancer. hate more than I'm like, I will wear neon orange. Like really? And of course I don't, who picked that pink for the ribbon? I'm like, there's blush or mauve or anything, but that God forsaken pink color. I hate it. And yep. all I got when I was diagnosed with boxes of pink, pink stuff. stuff. And I was like, how can I not be rude right now? But I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to wear any of this pink stuff. But then there's other girls that, man, everything in their life is, is pink, 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 pink. And that thrives them. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm like, please stop sending me pink stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you noticed in our brand. I mean, we definitely have pink because I think that you, you kind of, you have to. You have to. Um, but we incorporate a lot of black. Yeah. And no, so, I love the way you guys do it. I don't mind a touch of it. 
mm-hmm. but it's like if I see one more fully pink shirt <laughs> of that one, it's just the breast cancer pink that I just and maybe it's because I have breast cancer and I hate it so yeah. I just like look at it even more and like subconsciously I just really hate it mm. <laughs> like, well and that's why like I think that because I've been I don't have I've never had breast cancer right so I'm trying to understand it sitting on the sidelines yeah. and trying to provide resources and dialogue to support women and families going through it. And one of the things that I have found, and this is why it was really important for me to launch the podcast in October is October sucks. Mm -hmm. Like it's- And it was my favorite month. I love, Halloween is my most favorite (laughs) thing. I was like, why? Why You give me pink and you ruin October. I hate you. Like my poor boyfriend's like, we're doing a whole like Disney Halloween and Haunted Hayride on Monday because he's like, I know you need some Halloween in mm-hmm. your life. And I was like, please, please. No, nope. I just need orange. I just want black and Halloween and darkness and scariness. Yes. Like that was was my whole Halloween. And so now October is pink. It's pink. And like you said, it sucks. And as much as I love spreading awareness, this is my first October mm-hmm. really diving into it. Um, I'm freaking exhausted and yeah, I cannot wait for this month to be, be over. over. Are it's, you tired? I'm, I'm tired. so tired. And it's just... Um, I said this on another, um, it wasn't a podcast, but it was another interview I did. Um, be careful when you're posting stuff on social media about statistics and, and things about breast cancer, because your thriver survivor fighter that you don't know is following you, or you don't know who has it. It's so triggering. Like I won't say the statistics, but I saw a statistic about stage four and it just puts me in a full panic attack and I Mm -hmm. cry for the rest of the day. And it's like, I can't even open my social media. And that's what my life is about right now, social media and spreading awareness without being so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it's just like everywhere I look right now is everything is pink, pink, breast cancer, pink. And I'm like, could I have like an hour where I don't remember that I have breast cancer? Like that would be like, well, October. So (laughs) so I didn't know this. I was so naive when I started Barbell Streams, but I didn't know that the world only thinks about breast, the world. Like we think about breast cancer every day. The people who are touched by it. Yes. Uh, but the world thinks about it for 30 days yep. in, in October because the 31st is, it turns orange. Mm-hmm. The world thinks about breast cancer for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. I, I remember going in, into In-N-Out in the middle of October season and like everybody just finished the coma walk and everybody was like repping their pink. And I'm like, this is my life every, every day. day. Every I wear pink day. every, and my heart is pink. Like everything about my life is pink. And these people are like, go out and walk five Ks and they think they've done something for breast cancer, which they have in some capacity. And in I'm no really, way, really proud. Yeah, in no way are we putting down or discrediting anyone that puts an effort in October. Not at all. But I'm, what I try my best to tell people is if you have a fighter survivor in your life, send him a coffee, send mm-hmm. him a lunch, get him a massage, take him to out of town for a weekend, help them get check their, on them, check on them, not in just October, because they like, have breast cancer, but check on them because October for anyone in breast cancer is so overwhelming. And for our significant others and our family, it's just like, it's shoved down your throat in every capacity. And it's like so overwhelming, even subconsciously, if you don't think about it, it's mm-hmm. just like, for the love of God, I think about it every single day now when mm-hmm. 90% of the time when I'm not spreading awareness, I'm trying to live like I don't have cancer. Right. So to like literally walk down the street and see a, a coffee cup or everything. Like, I'm like, I went, my car was in the dealership and all of them were pink, wearing pink. And I was like, Toyota went pink. I'm like, stop <laughs> it. Like, it's like, I, it, it's, it's appreciative, but just know <laughs> it totally is, but just know that anyone that's listening to us that has a fighter or survivor and during the month of October, do something for them that has nothing to do with pink or yes. breast cancer. 
they need it. I promise yeah. you they need a break. Like, they need a break from it. <laughs> we appreciate yes. it. And it's our month and you should get them a pink gift. If and you guys don't know what that is, yes. get your survivor fighter a pink gift because it means something. This mm-hmm. is a very hard month for us. But also send me a coffee. Take yeah. me on a coffee date. Talk Give to me, me about massage. anything, but <laughs> which I as soon as it's over, I'm getting massage. And I'm so excited. <laughs> but I think a lot of people don't realize that like we need a little bit of a break. We need some normalcy. Talk to me about your day. Mm -hmm. Ask me about anything but breast cancer. Or if you're sending somebody a meme or a statistic or a page to follow, just know that that could trigger a panic attack and you don't mean to. No, not at all. But, and and I know everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's this and this and this and this. And sometimes it's like, okay, that's the one thing that affects me the most. And you just sent it to me without telling me that you were sending me something. This is how hypersensitive I am about what I'm posting up because again, I'm I'm not a survivor. So I'm doing my best to, to provide the information. And so I posted up on nail polish yesterday and a survivor um, kind of sent me a message back was like, kind of like, what are these? And I was like, oh no, D- does nail polish hurt you? <laughs> You're like, I, like, oh man. Because it was like nail polish it. for our power monkey, you know, survivors. Yeah. And I was like, does it have something in there that you guys can't have? Like, it's so saying. overwhelming. And then there's also, I mean, we have, there's so many talk- topics, like the, the companies that say they do pink, but they really don't do pink. Mm. Like I've been teaching my family, like my, my family is so supportive and amazing, but I'm like, where did you get that? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, something on Instagram put pink and they donate. I'm like, don't do that. You don't know if they actually donate or yeah. not. So please research who you're buying stuff from. Cause a lot, it's called a pink washer. There's a name for it. Like the pink the wash pink over <laughs> pink watch, we pink, should pink, do pink something. And it's where companies literally put up pink ribbons and they don't donate anything mm-hmm. cause they know yeah. people are going to buy it. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, hey, reach out to my page. I'll show you the Met Vibers that need stage four refund, uh, re- stage four research and money. Just be careful where you're sending and your money to because they're not always donating like you think they are. Well, I saw one yesterday and I was like, for every hat sold, we're going to give a dollar to a breast cancer survivor. And I'm like, who though? (laughs) (laughs) Show me. That's exactly where I was at. I was like, who? Like, you know what makes me so mad? This is another great point. Autonation. Think pink. They dry pink, dry pink. Yes. So I messaged them. I said, hey, I'm a stage four cancer survivor or fighter, survivor, survivor. (laughs) I said, I said, I have some things on my car that need to be fixed. Do you guys have a mechanic that I can trust that's not gonna, you know, take advantage of me that will actually give me the point? It has been almost 30 days of trying to get a point across to them. They're like, well, we don't give out money. I'm like, I'm not asking for, for money, money, bro. I'm like, do I want to drive pink, literally. <laughs> literally, you guys are all about it. And there, here's a survivor being like, hey, you're a car dealership. You guys work on cars. Can someone please look at my car? I'll pay for it. I just want a good person that's not going to screw me over. Dude, it has been like emails on emails and this person and they're like, oh, we don't have any sponsorships right now. And I'm like, are you not reading my message? <laughs> Where does your money actually go? go. Yeah. What like... It's insane. Insanity. It's, yeah. So what I embraced on that after, so I, I got into the October season not knowing. I thought that everybody wanted to talk about breast cancer every single day like I did, right? Like, let's talk about it. And then I realized like, oh, people don't want to talk to me in April. They literally don't care about, not that they don't care, unless you've been touched by it, right? Mm-hmm. I, so I know who I can talk to about breast cancer during certain times. And so what I've done is, and what, what I found you have done and done so beautifully is- we do completely exhaust ourselves for 30 days. Yeah. We completely take ourselves to the edge because I have accepted and embraced. I have 30 days. 
Yep. That's it. I have a blowhorn for 30 days and I'm going to talk to everybody and I'm going to go everywhere and I'm going to be exhausted at the end. I was telling my husband last night, I was like, I'm so tired right now. I yep. do not want to get on a plane on Friday. 100%. But I have to, because yeah. if I don't, I lose an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to people in Oregon on yep. Friday. Right. So it's like, it's hard for us because we hate it so much. <laughs> It's so overwhelming, but it's so important. It's It's so important. It's so important. And we know how important it is and we appreciate all the participation, but just be kind to us, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's just like, just know that everything that everyone does is appreciated. And I'm so thankful that I have these platforms to spread awareness and to help people. But know that as soon as October is over, my cancer doesn't stop. Stop. My research doesn't stop. My thrive to find healthy, clean products, good companies, people who actually support us 365 doesn't stop and neither does yours. Mm -mm. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. And there's so many other cancers and, and, and other things that need attention also, but same thing with them. Like whatever the month of uh, November or December is, they only get 30 days and then it's over. Like we're all in the same boat here. So yeah, just be conscious of what you're posting and what you're doing and know that you can affect somebody positively or negatively. And I mean, I know in society right now, everyone's so sensitive and it's like so hypersensitive, but this stuff is very sensitive. It's so. very, it, cause it's real. Like it's last, real. last October was the hardest October for me. Cause it's, it was my first October losing my sister. Yeah. And that was, it was just different. It was, I didn't have the same drive to oh, yeah. spread awareness for 30 days. I was like, your emotions are depleted. I was like, can I go to bed? <laughs> can, I, can we go to the movies guys and not talk about this anymore? So I know a lot of people think like, Oh, Phil, you're like, I call myself Phil or everyone calls me Phil. Um, they're like, Oh, Phil, you're doing this and you're in this campaign and this company and this company. And I'm like, and I'm about ready to fall over. Fall over. Like, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know either. Like, but, I have to you do, know what? We're going to talk about it in part two because we're at 32 minutes Oh, and, uh, we're going to do a massage instead. Yeah. So this is going to be to be continued. Perfect. I'm I think that this was a great message for right week. now, especially us putting this out in October, how we went down this, this path of <laughs> bashing on pink in October. I, I know. It's I, fantastic. Feel, I, just, I want We're everyone to know that I appreciate every single thing about it, but there's aspects that no one really thinks about that need to be brought to attention. They just need to be. Yeah, they just need to be talked about. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We we do appreciate the 30 days. But we're tired. I'm going to go give her a massage. Yay! And uh, to be continued. To be continued. Yes. Thanks for this this time. Thanks for and having me. To be continued. Appreciate it. Yeah.